Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Podcast. Watch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.05 a.m. at GoSBLive.com or visit us in person. You can find directions at GoStonebridge.com. Connect with us on our social media at Facebook.com slash GoStonebridge and our Instagram at SBChurch. So one of the things I like to do is bring up topics that I'm not totally okay with. Do you like that? And I, I know you're thinking, well, thank you for your help. Yeah, okay. So uh, I, I think that it's one of those things that we struggle with. I certainly struggle with it, that life isn't fair sometimes, right? Doesn't it seem like life should be fair? You know, I, I've, I talk to people who believe in God and I talk to people who don't believe in God. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed with people is almost all people think, but life should be fair. The people who don't believe in God, they, they sort of look at it as, shouldn't there be some force out there that just makes life fair? or just makes it work out. And those of us who believe in God, we say, I mean, but shouldn't God fix it so that everything is, is, is fair and everything works out you know, the right way? And it's just one of those things that is just a struggle for us because you're gonna be involved in your life, in relationships, um, companies, people, maybe going to school, you know, maybe a marriage, maybe your, maybe your, your, your kids, maybe your parents. And you're gonna struggle with the fact that they don't do everything the way they should do it, you know? Shouldn't somebody fix that? Shouldn't somebody come and, and deal with that? Well, yeah, that's, that's the way it feels. And so this is what I, I love to tell people, and I'm telling you as I say this, I'm not totally okay with this either, but I tell people, you just have to learn to live with it. <laughs> You're gonna have to get over it, right? And there's something inside of us, because there's something inside of me that says, no, I don't wanna get over that. I think that someone should fix it. So you can want somebody to fix it. You, should, you can think somebody should fix it. It's still going to be this way. Life's not going to be fair. But the other side of that, which we just, we just sang about, but God is good. And, and that changes the equation for us in the unfairness of life, that we can look to God and understand that God is good and that God does have plans and that God ultimately God has a way of working and fixing and whatever, and, and you're going to have to be okay with that. that. That doesn't mean it's going to work out now or be fixed now the way you want it to. Um, otherwise, you're going to struggle. One of the things that I think uh, that, that God made us this way is this is part of what family is there for. Family is there to help us deal with these things because like you, in my family, everything wasn't right. In my family, you know, everything didn't work out the way I thought it was supposed to. And I had to learn how to deal with it in my family, you know, as well as, you know, deal with it then with other people, you know, outside of my family also. It's one of the reasons I like that next week, uh, Ron Deal and his wife are coming because in the Saturday session, they will deal with marriage. And this is one of the topics that they will deal with because trying to help you to understand how it works and how to make marriage work. And then they're going to also have a session for blended families or step families. Listen, I would tell you both would be incredibly beneficial for you, no matter what your status in life. Because marriage always involves a blended family or a step family, it does. We all came from different families. We, none of us came from the same family and it's a good thing, right? You know, you needed some outside influence, some, you know, a different view to, to help you through things. Yeah, and family is there to help you do this. The church is a family, um, your physical family, maybe your friendships also uh, as, as a family. When I was in the third grade, it's one of the things I still remember. I was in third grade and I went to East End Elementary School in Easley, 
South Carolina. How many people went to East End? Any, okay, no one. Okay, oh, good. Y'all didn't go. Why didn't? Okay, I'm the only one here. So whatever I tell you, you can't challenge it. Just to let you know, this is you know, my story. So in East End, third grade, I still remember the part of the building. It's not there anymore because they tore it down and uh, put up another part of the elementary school. But in that, that, that one place was my third grade classroom. And my third grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Childress. And the reason I remember her so well is because she dealt with us different than the way my first and my second grade teacher dealt with us. They were all nice, you know, helped you out and all too. I remember in third grade, I go and I say, Miss Childress, Bobby, who was a good friend of mine, friend all the way through high school, Bobby bugs me sometimes. He bothers me. And it makes it hard for me to do my work and whatever. And I said, I said, you need to fix this. Third grader, yeah, I went up to her and I told her this. And I still remember her responses to me. Her responses were first, don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> That's not your job. And I was like, oh, what? Because my first and second grade teacher would have dealt with it. You know, so my third grade teacher helped me. She kind of gave me a good wake up. It's not your job to tell me what my job is. And then I said what you might've said. I said, but that's not, yeah, that's what I said, but that's not fair. And she said, and who told you life was supposed to be fair? And she sent me back to my desk. Now I was like, whoa, you know, this, this is kind of a shock to my system. I thought she was gonna fix everything for me or I was gonna tell her what needed to be done and she was going to do it. But I found out that's not the way life works. And I still struggle with it, don't you? Sure, you still struggle with it because you're still trying to figure out how is it gonna work out? How are you gonna get through life? And how can you be okay with the fact that life doesn't seem fair? So last week we jumped into Ephesians chapter four. This is a uh, letter that Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus and he's building it off of this, uh, the idea of who God is and what God has done through, through Jesus and how he has brought us into this new family. And we're gonna learn in this new family how to get along, how to do the right things. We're gonna move forward in it. And let me take you back. This is the last paragraph last week that we took a look at. And this is what he says in that last paragraph, verse 14. He says, then we will no longer, and I highlighted that in your outline because this is gonna be a key phrase too in this paragraph then we will no longer be immature like children. He's talking about in this family, understanding what God has done. We're, we're not gonna be immature anymore like children. We're not gonna see it the way Steve saw it in the third grade until his children helped help straighten him out. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. In other words, our ideas, the things that we think it should work this way. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like the truth. Because to me, that sounded right, that she was supposed to go to fix it. Instead, look at verse 15, another highlight. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. In other words, he has the design for it. And the way it fits is, is for my benefit. It will help me, even though it might not work out the way I wanted it to work out. He says that each part does its own special work. He makes, um, it makes the, the other parts grow. So that the whole body is, say these three with me, the whole body is what? It is healthy and growing and what? That's his goal. 
that you would be healthy and that you would be growing and that you would be full of love. His goal is not that everything would work the way you wanted it to work. His goal is not that you come to me and I'll go fix whatever you want me to go fix, right? No, he's the head of it. And he has plans in this family to grow us up. He has plans that, you know, as we mature, that, that each of us has a special part that we play in, in the relationships and we help each other grow and that he can move us toward maturity. And we will understand as we mature, yes, life isn't fair. Absolutely. But God is still good. Life isn't fair. But God is, is, is still good. And, and in order to um, understand the power of that, you have to grasp the first part of it. You, you have to understand that life is not fair. It will not be fair. You will have to be okay with that. Think about Jesus himself. Was life fair for Jesus? Son of God. He can do anything he wants. If he wanted to straighten anyone out, God could, you know, just speak and call down the armies of heaven and they would come fix it for him. Why did he do that? That wasn't his goal. His goal was to fix us, not to fix the world um, around him. In fact, here's one of those things that you will have to be okay with. I think this is a struggle for most people. If you will let God work in your life and you will let God teach you and you'll let God you know, mature you, grow inside of you and, and teach you how to deal with other people, you get to be a part of the fix. But it doesn't mean God is gonna go fix it for you. It means God will work inside of you and you get a, to be a part of the fix that is necessary with other people and is there for the world itself. I know you may say, well, that sounds strange to me. Okay, hang on. We're going to go to a few more passages uh, or, or read more of what he says, and you'll, I think you'll get a better idea. But let me take you. This is in Proverbs. I like this proverb, uh, so I decided to throw it in here this morning. This is what uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You probably know these, right? In fact, if you do, say this with me. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with and do not lean on your own in all your ways, what? And then he will do what? He will direct your paths. He will make your paths straight. Understand what the, what the, the writer of the Proverbs is saying. As you go through life, here's what you have to decide. Do I trust God? In the midst of my circumstances, in the midst of my difficulties, am I gonna trust God, God with my heart? You know, for the most part, when we talk about the heart, we translate it out into what we feel. And that's our biggest struggle is what, what, we, what we feel. And that comes from, you know, somewhere in here. So are you going to trust God with this part of who you are and what you feel in life? Because that's a hard thing to do. I feel what I feel. And I, I tend to want to chase my feelings. And, and, and the world around us tends to tell us this. Your feelings are somehow connected with God or the truth. So whatever you feel, you need to chase what you feel because that's the truest part of who you are. It's just not true. We, we look to God and we say, God, can I trust you with my heart? Can I trust you with my feelings? And so when I lean on something for understanding, rather than leaning on how I see it or how I feel, you know, independent of you, I can lean on who you are. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, in everything you do, that's what a way is, how you live your life, the things you go about. You acknowledge that God is with you. You're looking to God to be with you. You, you. you do those things. You live that part of your life with an understanding that God is working and moving in your life. And then he says, and he will make your paths what? 
So straight paths mean this. You know, life is filled with crooked paths, confusing paths, many paths, and you're trying to figure out what path to take in life. And for most of us, when you look at a path, you're trying to figure out, well, then where does it go? So if I take that path, where will it end up? Because I want to you know, understand which one I should take. And so we start to take a path, and we think, oh, wait a minute, that one looks like it may go in a better place. And we switch over, and then the next thing you know, we're following a different path. And this is what he says, when you trust God and you acknowledge him in all your ways, you put your, 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 your hope in him, uh, rather than you know, being led by just what you see, God makes a path that says, this is the way to me. And you walk that path, even though it may be difficult sometimes, even though people may say, why are you, why are you living that way? Well, because this is the way that leads to God himself. And you know that path is the best path for you in life. Why? Because God is good. Life is confusing. Life is unfair. But God is good. So I'm going to stay on this path even when it seems like that's not the right path in life. Let me tell you what it does for you. It gives you a, a different sense of confidence in life. Uh, Jesus actually talks about this with his disciples. He said, look, when, when you put your hope in God and you trust him and you follow him, there's a sense of you know who you are, you know the direction that you're going, and even the people around you will look at you and say, why do you do that? Why are you? And, and it will cause them to stop and reflect and say, why? And, but you know, you know who God is. And you understand that, that God can be trusted, and so you've decided that you're going to follow him and that you're not going to be turned to the left or the right when you do that. Now, listen, we all go astray. We all get on the wrong path at times. But the good news is God corrects us, he loves us, he beckons us back because God is always faithful to us. He's always faithful to us. So four things real quickly that I just kind of pulled out of his, this passage that, that Paul writes about family and why family works uh, so well and why it's so um, important for you to hang in there and, and trust that God will lead you uh, through family. And the first one is because through family, God will help you learn how to guard your feelings because you need to guard your feelings. You need to make sure that you don't let your feelings take over and lead you uh, in the wrong direction. Here's what he says in the next paragraph, verse 17. It says, with the Lord's authority, this is, this is Paul writing, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. So, so here's the question. Would you like to live your life confused? <laughs> no. I don't want to live my life confused. I want to know. That's, and this is what he says. The Gentiles don't follow God. That's when he's referring to Gentiles. He means people who don't follow God, don't know him. They have multiple gods. They have multiple paths in life. That's not who they're following. You don't want to be confused. That's, that's, that's why they chase so many different things. You want to know that God has a path, that God is faithful, that God is good, so even though life is unfair, even though life can be confusing, God is your, is your strength and God is your guide uh, through all of those things. Then he adds this in the next verse. He says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have, say this with me, they have what? Closed their, that means they've closed their minds to God. They're not gonna listen to what he says. And they have hardened their what? That's their feelings. They, they've hardened it. They say, no, this is what I feel. This is what I want. I don't care what he says. They've hardened their hearts to him. They have no sense of shame. Wow. 
So whatever they feel like doing, they're going to do it and they're going to convince themselves there's nothing wrong with it. I'm going to go the path that I want to go. And that's, that's the most important thing that I can do. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So he, he's trying to make this clear that as we look at that, that lifestyle, that you know this is not what God wants you to do. This cannot be the path that God chooses for you to walk because God is sure of his ways and God makes plain and clear the path that he wants for us. So then he adds this, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned from Christ. It's not. Because even Jesus had to pick a path, right? Jesus didn't just do what was best for him, what he wanted to do. Jesus, Jesus stayed on a path. You know, incidentally, Jesus got angry. Did you know that? Of course he did. He got angry against things that weren't right, things that weren't just. Uh, there's, there's at least one place, and maybe it's two different occasions, where Jesus walks into the temple and he gets angry because of the money changers and those selling the animals. It wasn't that he was against the sacrifices or against the offerings. It's just that he, he saw people trying to take advantage of it. So he overturned the money changers, their tables. He threw it all over the temple because this wasn't right and it was most important. But do you know that Jesus didn't get angry about everything? There are a lot of things he could get angry about in the world in his day. A lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties, a lot of troubles. But he knew that he was there, his path was to bring people to a relationship with God, a real relationship with God, where they would have the confidence to know that God is leading me, God is directing me, and God will be good to me. He will be faithful to me. So Paul adds this, verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. That means the old way that you used to look at it. Cast that off. Don't, don't look at things that way. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, listen to this. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. That's the way you throw off the old life. Is you say, God, you, you teach me a new way to think, a new way to see things. And in doing that, you teach me a new way of dealing with my own feelings in life. Because those are the things that tend to distract me and cause me to go the wrong way. Verse 24, he says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and uh, full of truth and righteousness, right? This, this is the new clothing that he, he gave us to put on. We said this last week that when in the, in the Roman days, uh, 2,000 years ago, when a child would, would come of age, about 12 years old, they would actually change what they wear because they were different and it was an acknowledgement that they were different. It's the same way here. It's this imagery he's giving. You, you change what you wear, you change what you do because you recognize who you are, the change that has occurred in your life. And you're trying to live your life, as he said, worthy of this calling to be his son, to be his daughter in life. Worthy of the, the love that he gives you, the care that he has for you. Worthy of the direction that he will lead you in and he will move you in. And, uh, and worthy of these new values, these things that are most important to you now that you are growing up and that you're maturing that may not have been um, when you were younger. Two other things family will help you with. Family will help you to ask God to teach you 
how to think and feel. Yeah, family can help challenge you to do that and say, you know, you need, you need to look to God because God cares about who you are. God, God wants to make the changes inside of you. And, and as you run into difficulties and struggles, those difficulties and struggles are there to help you understand, I need to make a change. I need to look to God and, and ask him to lead me and to guide me in life. And then also ask God for the strength that you need in order to trust him and to trust the way that he makes clear for you that you would walk in that way. Here's what he says in verse 25. He says, so stop telling, say it with me. Oh man. Because, see, part of the deception in life is us. We tend to deceive ourselves. We, we say what we want things to be and we twist the facts and the truth to fit how we want it to be and then we don't understand why it doesn't work out our way. Well, the first thing he says is, look, you gotta speak the truth. You, you, you wanna understand what is true and what is not true, so stop telling lies. Stop speaking lies as if, if I speak them and I say them often enough or loud enough, they will be the truth. It still doesn't make it true. He says, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. So we, we want to have this as a bond between us, that we are people who speak the truth to one another. And he says, and don't sin by, getting, by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to who? To the devil. In your life. Wow. I think this is why feelings are so important because what happens is we get frustrated, uh, we get angry, and if we're not careful, that anger turns into, it sets in our soul into this bitterness inside of us. It takes away our ability to trust one another, our ability to be kind to one another, to speak in a way that, you know, that, that shows some patience to one another, and, and, and it, just, it just divides us from one another, and especially in family, when we get frustrated and we get anger, uh, angry with one another. And, and somehow we have to stop, push that aside, say, I'm not gonna let the sun go down on my anger. This idea of the sun setting on it would be, it's the end of the day, it is set, it is done. Oh, before it is set and is done, say, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna go this way. And I know you think, well, man, that's really hard to do because sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes it's easy to feel like, you know, other people, their life has turned out better than my life. Why do they get that and I don't get this? It, it, you know, it's, just, it's easy to do, but the truth is we all do it. It's not something unique just to me and my situation. We all find ourselves in that same struggle. Paul is saying, don't do that. In fact, family is there to help you understand this is a bad move. This is not good for you. It's not good for your relationships. Um, it won't make things better. It will only make things worse. So he says this in verse 28. If you're a thief, quit what? Yep, don't do it. Stop stealing. He says, uh, instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. And then he says in verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Because see, God has placed his spirit inside of us to lead us and to guide us. He is for us, he, he's pulling for us, he's trying to teach us, he's trying to empower us 
for God's way of living. And what brings sorrow to him is when we choose to go a different direction. When we choose to ignore that and say, no, I, I want to go with what I feel and what I know and my way, even though God has a different way. He says, remember, he has identified, I like this, don't you? He has identified you as his own. Yeah, you belong to him, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Then he adds in verse 31, it's a great paragraph. He says, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, get rid of all harsh words, all slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, here's, here's the substitute. Here, here's how you get rid of that. Instead, he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has done what? Forgiven you. See, if God wanted to be angry, he could be angry with us. He has every right to be. He could look at what we've done. He could pick it out. He could say, here's what you've done, and that, that angers me. That may... But God instead has chosen to, to relate to us. That's that tenderheartedness part. He sends Jesus into the world. Jesus puts on flesh and blood. He lives life the way we live life, so Jesus understands everything you would feel and everything you would go through. Jesus understands how to live life and know that life is not fair. He understands it. Jesus knew what it meant to be mistreated, falsely accused, betrayed by those he had given his life to. Jesus understands everything that you understand and everything that you've, you've gone through. And would you say that Jesus' life didn't work out because of that? No, you and I would say Jesus' life worked out despite that, didn't it? Sure. Because Jesus ended up giving his life for us to set us free so that his kindness toward us, his tenderheartedness, his ability to relate to us and let us know that he knows and his forgiveness that he gives to us has set us free. It's changed everything, everything about who we are. I, I put number four in here too because I think this is what Paul is pointing to is that you and I need to uh, make sure that we guard our hearts and our feelings and we don't let bitterness and anger get inside and take control because it gives the devil a foothold in our lives, a place where he can grab and he can say, yeah, but look how un unfair it is. Look how you've been treated so unkindly. Remember the words that were said to you that, that hurt. Hold on to those things. If you hold on to those things, then you can live for your feelings and your anger and your, your revenge and your hatred. But Jesus actually came to free us from all those things. It was not his way. That was not the way he came to change the world. Certainly not the way you and I would have an impact on the world that we live. But if we believe him, if we trust him, and, and we say, no, he has forgiven me, he's set me free, I'm not gonna hold on to those things. And what happens is, the enemy, Satan himself, does not have a hold on our life. He's lost his grip on who you are because you've let go of it, you've looked to who God is, you've trusted him and you've said no, and now he has lost the grip that he once had on your life. A couple verses, let me, let me show you a couple more. This is, I, I like James' way of illustrating it. 
If you know, James was the half-brother of Jesus. In fact, uh, the Bible's really clear. James did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after his resurrection. Hey, can you blame James? That's my brother. I grew up with him, right? Because uh, he was uh, one of Jesus' siblings uh, from Joseph and Mary, where Jesus, you know, Joseph wasn't his father, the Holy Spirit was, but they still grew up together. And there's nothing worse than, you know, someone saying, hey, treat your brother different because he's God. You know, that's not going to work real well. He's like, no, he's my brother. You know, I'm not, I'm not treating him any different. But, but James changes. And James realizes with the resurrection that he really was God's son come in flesh and blood to live among us and to live the kind of life that, that we have to live also. Here's how James puts it. He says in uh, chapter 3, verse 11, he says, does a fountain send out the same, uh, from the same opening both fresh and bitter water. Now the answer to that would be what? No. <laughs> a, a fountain cannot produce both bitter and fresh water because they, two different kinds of water can't come from the same source. But what comes out of the fountain reveals the, the character of the source. So he's saying, listen, it either has to be fresh or it has to be bitter. So you need to let go of the bitter. You need to say, no, I'm not going to hold on to this. That's not what he wants me to do. So that God would produce in you fresh water that would come out of your life. Because you can't have both. If there's bitterness there, it, it will corrupt everything inside. So you got to let go of it and trust God and say, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemy have a hold of my life and ruin my life and ruin who I am. I'm going to let go. And then here is a, from the New Century Version um, from uh, also from Ephesians chapter four, verse 27. Here's how New Century translates it. I like this. He says, do not give the devil a way to, say this with me, a way to do what? Defeat you. You don't want to give him a way to, to beat you, <laughs> to win, you know, to win the fight and to win, win, win the battle in life. And he's saying it, it's, it's true. If you let anger sit there and you let it stay and you can't let go of it, you just, you know, if it's not the most important things, like I said, there's a place to be angry, absolutely. But it needs to be the right place, not every place. And it needs to be more things that really matter, not just because it offends me or it hurts my feelings, what someone said. Just the immature way to deal with it because it will set in and it will do incredible damage on the inside of who we are. Then here, one more verse. This is Proverbs 4.23. I like what the proverb says here. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the what? The springs of life. Sure it does. And again, like I said, it's associated a lot with what you feel, you know, what's in here because it comes out in how you decide to express it or how you decide to say, mm, not a part of my life. Let go of that. Not going to do that. You know, I, I, I've, I will hear things sometimes that I like to push back against, not because um, I'm smarter than anybody else or whatever, but I hear this sometimes, and this is one of those I'll push back again. I hear preachers say this. So yeah, I love to take shots at other preachers. So pre preachers say this. They'll say, Satan hates your guts. Now it's a good tactic. I understand it. Make him the enemy. Say we are, you know, and all that. I understand it. The, here's the problem. It's not true. And nowhere in the scripture does it say Satan or the devil hates your guts. He doesn't. He hates God. He just can't get to God. There's nothing he can do to overcome or overpower God. So what does he do? 
It's a different tactic. He says, then I will hurt who God loves the most. You know who that is? And when you go out today, you're going to see who God loves the most. And he wants to hurt us in order to hurt God. The reality is Satan doesn't hate your guts. He could care less about you. (laughs) You're just someone to use, to, to injure, to cause pain in order to hurt God, in order to confuse people about who God is. So if he can do damage to you, he can cause God great grief and God great pain because of how much he knows God loves us. Satan knows what God was willing to sacrifice and to give up in order to reach us. He gave up his son. So if he can look at God and say, God, you sacrificed your son, they still don't care about you. It's not because he cares about us. He just wants to cause God pain. I will tell you this. Don't give him that option. (laughs) Don't listen to what he says. Don't let him trick you and try to turn you away from God. God's forgiveness God's compassion, God's empathy because he is like us or he became like us. God has put you in a position where you can do the same thing. Not the way he does, because you and I are not that good, but we can learn them. We can show kindness to other people. We can relate to the fact that, hey, they hurt, I understand, I hurt also. They don't think life is fair, understand. I don't think life is fair sometimes also. But God has shown me compassion. God has forgiven me through the death of his son who became like me in order to sacrifice his life. So maybe God can use me in someone else's life too. Where they show hatred, where they try to hurt and bite, let it go. Say, I'm not going to respond in that way. May feel justified in doing it, in, in putting out hurt. and say, Don't do it. Instead, do something that would make a difference the way God would make a difference in life. Show kindness. Be patient. Let it go. Don't respond. Show kindness to someone. Speak words of kindness to someone. Show compassion to someone because God has shown compassion and forgiveness to you. Hey, can I get one vote on this? What we were just talking about? It's hard, isn't it? Anybody? Okay. Of course it is. We understand. It's hard for me. I say that and I guarantee as soon as I leave, I'm going to run into some situation, traffic somewhere. I'm going to say, hey, somebody cut in front of me, right? Or they, or they said an unkind word or they, you know, and of course it's because that's the way life works. But when we remember how good God is and what God has done for us, that's what changes our attitude and our approach. That's what can change someone else also when we show the same compassion. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we just thank you that um, you understand us. You you proved it when Jesus put on flesh and blood and he came to live in this world. Not not just as an exercise, but he came to live in this world to be like us and yet not to respond the way we respond because of your kindness, your patience, your forgiveness, He did something different that would make a difference in our hearts. Father, would you lead us? Would you show us? You've promised to place your Holy Spirit inside of us, and we believe that you have because of your son, Jesus. 
So Lord, we ask that if your Holy Spirit would live in us, teach us a different way, grow us up, mature us. And Lord, we would all admit that we have a long way to go. We have a lot to learn because we're still very much human. But if you could live inside of us, if you could make a change inside of us, then maybe the world around us that you love so much, the people that you love so much, they would see something different about who you are. They would understand how much you love them and you care. If you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, never believed, you never received the gift that he gives, this forgiveness, this new life, this new spirit that can live inside of you. I, I know it's risky. I know it, it, it takes a lot of humility to do it, but what a great time to say, Lord, come live in me. Teach me, change my heart. I know I'll fail many times, but if you would come live inside of me, I give you my life and say, use it for what you will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.